Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Aziz Youssef with uh, Alex Escobar on Screw the Stock Market, the podcast where we talk about how to take active control of our lives and try to build wealth together. And in today's episode, we had an interesting conversation with Jason Wright, who is the head of Intentionally Inspirational, uh, an automated marketing company that specializes in simplified active campaign sales funnels uh, for real estate investors and uh, for raising capital specifically for real estate investors. So it's it's a, it was an interesting conversation, an interesting talk. Um, he kind of broke down how he uses modern technology and the internet and different types of sale funnel type techniques and approaches to basically automate a lot of the capital raising processes for investors and get them you know repeat uh, funds for a lot of their for the, a lot of their projects Alex what did you think yeah I thought it was interesting you know I, I, again I met Jason through the same network as a potential service provider for our business and I was very impressed with him so you know, for the audience, I think some of the people who might be more interested in the passive investing side, you know, this might not be the episode for them. It might be very interesting either way. But definitely for those of you who are considering entrepreneurial ventures and starting a business or growing a business, this one will be pretty interesting because he talks about just how sales funnels works, how sales funnels work, and um, a key piece that he thinks is the most important part of the sales funnel, which a lot of people neglect, is that back end of the sales funnel, all the automations and all those things that work behind the scenes so that your offers keep getting in front of those people and so that the relationships can be built to the point that someone might consider actually investing with you or actually buying your product. And so all that automation is really valuable and it's um, it's an important thing to automate so that you don't have to do it manually yourself because there's limited time and there's uh, the possibility of errors and mistakes. So. It's a good one. I hope you guys get a lot of value from it. Uh, again, one of the other key takeaways that I had from it, he repeated it maybe like three or four times, was working backwards from the end of what you want them, you know, of what you want the result to be and building the machine backwards to the very beginning. He said that over and over again. That That's going to really stand out, you know, uh, as a takeaway for me. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a it's an interesting topic. I don't think too many people uh, cover in a lot of these types of shows. So uh, hopefully, you know, you guys get uh, a lot of benefit out of it and you find it interesting. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning into the show. You know, it means so much to me and Aziz that you are actually listening, that there's people really listening to the show. Um, we're having fun with it and we hope that you're getting a lot of value too. Education is just one of the first steps that anyone should take when they're on a journey towards financial freedom or personal development. And so it's great. You're doing the right things. Um, I want to suggest a second step that you might want to consider if a lot of the things that we're talking about on the show are resonating with you. Consider visiting our website, legatoinvest.com invest. And there, there's a button where you can click to gain access to our opportunities. And what will happen is you'll schedule a call with us We'll talk, we'll get on a Zoom, and we'll get to know your your investment experience, we'll get to know you, we'll, we'll learn about your objectives, and then if it's a good fit, we'll actually start to present you with real investment opportunities from time to time, and you'll be in the driver's seat where you can say, no, I don't like that one, and yes, I do like that one. And those real decisions, that means that you're actually in the game towards your financial freedom. So. Uh, consider visiting legatoinvest.com slash invest. Again, that's L-E-G-A-D-O 
invest.com slash invest. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on Screw the Stock Market. This is, a good, this is the show where we talk about investing outside of the traditional stock market and the 401k and all that other crap. And we focus a lot on investing in alternative assets that help us where we have a little bit more influence and control so that we can take influence and control over our finances and our lives and our futures. And today we have a really special guest with us, uh, Jason Wright. We're so happy to have you with us. Um, we've had a very interesting Welcome conversation just about a week ago. And I said, hey, this guy needs to be on the show. Uh, a lot of our audience is going to be really interested in learning more about what you have to share with us. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. All right. Uh, so why don't we start off with some of the basics, right? We always like to learn a little bit about the journey. So why don't you tell us kind of where you grew up and how you got to where you are today? Okay. All right. Let's do it. So I'm uh, from Indianapolis. I live about 35 minutes south now. So I've always lived in Indiana. And uh, entrepreneurship, and this is a, a quick backstory, but it's necessary. It began for me at 14 years old. Uh, my world back then was sports and fishing. And at a certain point, my, my parents were like, we're not buying you any more fishing tackle. And I was like, but you haven't seen the new gear. And they're like, we don't care, you know. And my mom said, if you want more stuff, go make money. Buy your own. I was like, okay. So I started cutting grass. I was making 75 bucks a week at 14, no bills. So I was living large, right? So I got that taste young. Um, went through middle school, high school, got out of high school and started up another landscaping company. Um, got it big enough where I was like, I either need to quit college because it was about a seven year run or I need to expand this. And the only people in my life were like, you have to go for the big corporate job. You've got to do the, the 401k and the, the whole plan that we're all taught, right? The whole plan was presented to me as, hey, this is your only option. So for whatever reason, I listen to everybody, right? So went into the corporate world, did some sales, did some HR, did some safety. About seven years in, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Time for a big disruption. And my wife was not on board. And I was working for a guy that was making, uh, he was worth about 300 million bucks and uh, not a real nice guy, uh, not a real ethical guy. And I remember thinking, man, I hate commuting. It's a bad use of my time. I hate working for somebody else. What if I built a business online and I could just pay my bills? I don't need 300 million. Can I pay my bills? I think I could do it. So I convinced my wife to let me quit, quit my job, ran out of money in two months, nothing to show for it. The weirdest thing, guys, I had people rooting for my failure. What is wrong with our world? Family, friends, neighbors I didn't even know. Oh, I saw your Facebook post. You can't do that. What do you mean? What do you mean I can't do that? Nobody does that. You can't do that. So I literally had people rooting for my failure. So um, we got into a really bad place financially. Um, I had to call up my, my mom's sister and say, hey, this is what I've done. Can you help me buy food? And she said, I, I don't believe in what you're doing. I think it's a horrible idea. I'll help you buy food for six months. The rest is on you. So uh, at the end of the six months, I, I didn't make enough money. I had to go back to corporate America, right? And I had people like, ha ha, told you so. And they didn't say it like that, but I could see it in their eyes. I could, I could, uh, I could feel it. So anyway, long story short, 18 months later, I quit again. And it's been almost five years full time with what I'm doing. So uh, out of extreme failure and struggle, Good things can happen if you stick with it. So, anyway. awesome. There's the highlight. Okay, story. so I'm going to ask you as a married man, how did you get yes. that wife support? Because I've seen that come up on other communities that I'm a member of, where people say, you know, I want to quit my job. My wife's not supporting me. 
and and they're it's a journey, and it's understandable that wives wouldn't want to just do that. So, yeah, please, I'm curious if you could share a little more about that. I'll tell you the truth. It's not going to be pretty, though. It's not pretty at all. So um, I've got a very strong personality. And I reached a point where I'm like, I'm doing this at any cost. Right. And she was like, if I could leave, I might leave right now. And I was like, I get it, but I'm doing it anyway. Like, I'm dead inside. This is happening. It's you're just going to have to trust me. It's a phrase I used a lot back then. And I didn't have much to show for it. Hey, Jason, what's the plan? What are we building? I don't know. Try to figure it out. So there were some brutal years back then um, that could have gone the other way, and I could be successful now and single and not know my kids. I mean, it's possible, but I reached a point where I was like, it's worth the risk. And for 99.9% of people, they're not going to probably take that gamble, but I was like, I can't do what I'm doing another day. I can't do it. I'm going to snap. So there's the truth. Thank you. Thank you for it's sharing. It's not pretty, that, yeah. but it's raw, real. Yeah. That's huge. But would she go anywhere now? Uh-uh, she's not going anywhere now. <laughs> she, it took about five years for her to go. So we do digital marketing. It was super broad back then. And as we've niched it down, we've learned how to build offers and do all these things based on our own actual experience, right? We don't care what other people are doing. We don't jump on the bandwagon. Um, we built something great from nothing. But over time, she started to go, okay, this might work. And now it's like, catch us if you can. Like it's complete. This is what we're doing. We're not for sale. We're not going to ever stop. So it's been a a brutal, I tell people it's been a brutal journey, but now people are starting to notice, right? Some of the people that used to be like, ha ha, this is what I always get. Oh yeah. We see you you travel quite a bit now. How do you, how do you have time to do that? Things going okay. You good? We're fine. Thanks for asking. You know, so it's that, that massive revenge um, success thing there. I love it. Uh, so, okay, go ahead, so, Yeah, so I was going to say, so so now we kind of established like how you got to where you are, but yeah. uh, we kind of jumped over real quick exactly what it is that you're doing and, yeah. you know, how you're so successful at it. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, sure. can, you, can you expand on what your business is? Yeah, I'd love to. So we help uh, real estate investors, capital raisers with the their sales funnels, specifically an active campaign. So we're platform specific and we're avatar specific. And guess what? We have no competition. No competition at all that does things the way we do. And I didn't know that. Um, I pivoted into that narrow, narrow niche, which we basically created beginning of the year. And when you actually do what you say you're going to do for clients and you actually do more than you say you're going to do and you take care of people, it's amazing what can come from that. So the client side of the business is very niche. It's very good. It's a great experience. And, uh, the sky's the limit. So that is the biggest piece of what we do. Uh, we are also leveraging that success. And I'm targeting Jason right from three years ago and saying, hey, agency owner, coach, high ticket service provider, you want me to teach you how to build a business with infinite scale. So now we're building a coaching side of the business targeted at me from three years ago as well. So um, I'm going into the holiday season feeling great. And next year is going to be a runaway train, my friend. Who's going to stop me? I love it. So, so for... For those of us who are uh, on the on the podcast here, who are listening, who are not familiar with what Active Campaign is, uh, yeah. can you give a little bit of breakdown of what that is and how that exactly works? Yeah, so it's a CRM and a marketing automation tool, so people know it best for the email marketing, the two-way text, that type of thing. So, um, you know, I talk about the back end of the funnel, what happens after people join your email list, and that's really 
the piece to businesses that if you don't address it, you're not going to scale very well, especially online. And a lot of people realize that once they're like, hey, I have this linchpin, right? I can't do any more than I'm doing, but uh, now I need to address this thing. So it's a really, uh, it's a crucial pain point. I went through it. Um, every business online is going to see it at some point, but it's just a really good tool that we've used, we like, and it's, you know, it's really powerful and easy to teach as well. So. So it's essentially like that old school mailer system, except now modernized for the for the digital age. And sure. you've just figured out how to hone in on the target audience that investors need to reach to basically get uh, funding from for their investment deals. Yeah, and I take a very, um, I'm going to say it's probably uh, a breath of fresh air type approach. So what we're doing now, we're having a conversation, right? I use conversational copywriting in all of my marketing. If you've heard me speak, my texts, my emails, everything sounds like me. Because at the end of the day, your investors are just people, right? Who do they resonate with? Brands or other people like them? Other people that understand where they are and what they may be struggling with, you know? Is the, is the stock market where I want to be or should I do something else? When you can speak to the people in a language you understand because you've been there, it makes everything so much more powerful. So for that reason, um, you know, some of the simple things we do differently are, are just really, really effective in that way. Very interesting. And I want to say, too, that like there's been a few different um, people that I consider mentors or marketer, you know, people that I follow. And I just keep I never heard of Active Campaign until maybe a few years ago. And these people, just a lot of people that are very successful that I really respect, keep telling me active campaign, active campaign, active campaign. Um, so just for whatever that happened, I eventually just said, stop fighting it. Fine, let's let's figure out what this active campaign is about. And that's how um, Jason and I got connected. Um, but maybe, you know, to start off, maybe we could talk a little bit more about sales funnels in general, right? Um, I think... You know, if, if someone who's listening right now says, okay, I have an idea for a business, what is a sales funnel and yeah. what do I need to know about how that works? That might be a very kind of ground, you know, step one that someone would need to, to, to learn to, to take some yeah. action. It's a great question. So a sales funnel is, is basically, um, it's a digital version of the customer journey, right? So uh, if you think of a sales funnel in three pieces, I'm going to explain them to you in the way, and you and I probably talked about this, that I went through them, the, the way that feels natural to think about it and approach it. So piece one is traffic. Where do I find uh, or where can I find attention online and offline and direct it somewhere, right? So uh, directing it somewhere, meaning a web page or a landing page. So it could be social media, a podcast like this one, a networking event. If you can say, hey, person, I've got your attention, go there you're basically tapping into traffic. So that's the top of the funnel. The next piece is what I call the front end. Those are the pages they interact with. Websites, landing pages, investor portals, et cetera. Anything somebody can input their information into and opt into. And then what happens after they opt in is the piece that most people ignore. That's the back end of the sales funnel, right? That's what I focus on. Because in my own business, when we were doing this for two and a half years and my wife was like, hey, you're working full time, you're doing this full time, what are we doing? And I told her, and she said, how does that make us money? And I couldn't answer the question. I go, oh my God, I've spent too much time on my logo, my brand, and social media. I have no plan for these people. If I get their attention, I have no plan on how to monetize that. I have no plan how I can help them. So if you work backwards with your idea, it is going to save you time and give you more clarity, but also understand it's a mistake, in my opinion, to be married to your ideas because the market is going to tell you in time where the real opportunities are. 
Okay. I never sat down and said, I want to build an active campaign specific agency for capital raisers. Didn't happen that way. I saw an opportunity. I said, do my interests and skill set align with what I'm seeing here? Yes or no. So we've pivoted a few times. So a back end offer may be this. Uh, what do I want to sell? And do you need to make something brand new? Absolutely not, right? There's there's plenty of money out there. There's plenty of opportunity. A mistake I made for a long time is trying to create something brand new, and it's very hard to do. It's It'll drive you crazy, okay? Say you're just going to, I'm just going to make something up. Write emails for people, okay? There's a need for it. Um, who am I going to target and why? So that's your kind of your front end piece. And then where do I go find more of them? That's your traffic piece. So if you start with the end in mind, how am I going to help people? What's my offer? And it doesn't matter if it's a service or a product or whatever. It's the same thing. How am I going to get them? You know, how am I going to get them into my world? And then where am I going to go find them? And that and that's really the easiest way to approach a funnel. And then obviously you can build out the landing pages and the emails and all the different sequences. But from a high level, hopefully that gives some clarity. Very exciting. Okay. Go ahead, Aziz. Now, now, my question is, how did you fall into working with investors specifically? Now, I can I can understand that, you know, as you're trying to create your own business, you're trying to figure out what to sell or what to market, and you're learning all these skills. But then how did you fall into the niche of like, oh, investors, I should work with these people? Yeah, this is where I should build my entire niche. Yeah, it took, it took a while. So, um, Upwork used to be the place I would go to find clients, right? Nobody knew I existed, so I had to go after them. I have to go after them like crazy. So I built up a reputation on Upwork, and I started attracting people to me all the time through that platform, which I don't even use at all anymore. And I had worked with a few real estate investors over the years, but I didn't really understand what they did. I was like, I understand there's a customer journey and you have a need. I can help you with that, but I have no idea what you're talking about. And we still had success to a point with it. Um, the big pivot for me was uh, about a year ago, uh, I started working with uh, one particular guy, Hunter Thompson, and um, you know he's got Raise Masters, the mastermind, and he saw my skills in active campaign and uh, you know referred some people my way. And then he kind of said, uh, in January of this year, he kind of said, hey, man, uh, I spoke at his event in LA. He said, hey, man, uh, if I were you, this is something I would pay attention to as an opportunity nobody else is doing it. And I think with what you're doing, you could murder this. So his opportunity or his idea, he's the one that saw the bigger need because he's been in the industry so long. So we uh, we stepped in with both feet and uh, haven't looked back. So that's how. And I'll say that that's where we met, right? I told my wife the idea. That's where we met. And I told my wife the idea in January. She's like, so you're going to turn away you know, this and this and this and Legion for Dennis and all this other stuff? And I was like, yeah. She's like, it might be a mistake. And I was like, there's only one way to find out. Let's roll. So we can always go back to the old stuff if we want to, but we're just going to roll. So, uh, and the beauty is now, like, she lets me have my creative process. Like, if you want to see me miserable, take away my ability to be creative. Put me in somebody else's box and tell me what to do, and I'm just dead inside. So I'm just not going to do it. So that's how. Yeah, it's uh, Again, you know, two or three years from now, could I find even a smaller niche in there? Maybe. We'll see when we get there. But I'm always open to consider the pivot. And that's why I said earlier, don't be married to your ideas because even though I wanted to build full custom funnels for people, I realized over time that there's too much labor and it's too hard to scale. And if I just focus on a piece, it's better. So there you go. Awesome. I just got off a call earlier today with um, a friend who expressed, um, and this might be a tough one for you. I don't know, because it seems like it's just something really natural and strong in your personality, but fast decision-making, uh, it seems to be something that you've yep. done. And 
I talked with someone who's going through the home buying process and they've been looking for a very long time and they're thinking about it and then, you know, and it's just drawn out. And I'm curious, I think for an entrepreneur, I think that's a really important skill to have is to know when it's time to make a decision and move on it. Can you tell me a little bit about how that's worked in your own journey and marriage? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, by by nature, I'm an unbelievably decisive decision maker. So what I'll look at, if I have to make a decision fast, I just go with my gut and go. Like if it's like split second now, life or death, I'm just going to go with my gut. Trust myself and go see what happens. But if it's something in business, uh, one thing I'll look at is what's the worst that can happen. So if the result is we lose everything, probably not going to make that decision because at this point, there's too much to lose there, right? So I say that, but you know, earlier on uh, in the conversation, I, I made that decision where I could lose everything, but I, st- I felt like I knew that my future was going to make it worth it, and, it's, and it has, and I just had to make sure that it, that I delivered on that. But um, I just go with it, man. And you know, if I have to do damage control later on stuff, so be it. That's my personality. But I make very aggressive decisions. My team will reach out to me sometimes, like, "Hey, I don't know what to do," and I'm like. Pretend I'm dead. What would you do if I was dead? Pick a decision. I trust you. And if something falls apart, we'll fix it. Like we're not in surgery here. Like the worst thing that we can do isn't that bad. It's all fixable. So just roll with your gut and let's go. So uh, for for me, it works out great. Now my wife, if she were running the business, she can't make decisions. So nothing would ever get decided. And she knows that. So her strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. And it actually works out really well. Um, you know, for, for that reason among many, but, um, yeah, decisive, decisiveness allows you to move quickly, uh, find out what you need to find out. Cause you know, as humans, we spend so much time saying, well, what if, and all this stuff, instead of hypotheticals, pick one and let's see what actually happens or doesn't happen. So it's easy for me cause it comes natural, but I know that if it doesn't, it can be very, very difficult because obviously everybody's different. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think it's a valuable conversation. No, it is. It's tough for people. For the house buying thing, for the house buying thing, I'm like, I'm gonna pick three. Let's let's buy one. Same way I buy a car. I'm driving three cars. I'm buying one today. It's funny. Let's she go. mentioned her. So. She just bought a car, and it took her. I think she said it took her like twelve months to buy a car. It probably. I got a buddy, dude. It took him like five years. I'm like, what are you waiting on? Like, what are you five doing? Years. Yeah, he's like test driving like dozens of cars. I'm like, what? What's the problem? Like literally, if I wake up and I'm like, we need help in the driveway, it's, we're getting a car today. All right. I'm like, give me half an hour, we'll research a few things, and let's go. We're getting a car today. Five years. What are we doing? So, very interesting. I mean, I'm not, whatever I'm not new research is no longer relevant. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. He's like, oh, the horses aren't pulling these things anymore. They have motors. How about that? <laughs> go ahead, Aziz. Um, so, so I, I wanted to go back in terms of, uh, the value add for the sale funnel services for the investors. Yeah. Um, can you give us examples of how that's actually worked and how investors have actually utilized it to make deals uh, yeah. and make money in the long run? Yeah, so good question. So there's really big three areas with what we do, how we help investors. One is nurturing new potential investors, right? New passive investors, or limited partners. Most people, when they get uh, somebody new on their, their email list, there's nothing. They don't say anything. They don't talk about anything. They might say, "Hey, hi," and then you, you don't you don't reach out to them again until you want to talk about a deal. And one of the things we teach is like if you don't build rapport, if you don't build a relationship, these people are like, "I don't know who you are. I'm not going to invest with you." At least that's how I roll. 
I just made my first investment as a limited partner. And it's like, I had to have a good feel with the person in the company and, and spend some time on Zoom and say, all right, I know how this person and I, are, our minds jive. It, it feels good. But to just dive in with a stranger, I'm not doing it. You know, other people might, but I'm not doing it. So we help with the new investor um, nurture process. There's a whole pipeline and automations for that. Uh, with capital raises, obviously, we can help announce a deal. Uh, we use a lot of goal-driven automation. So nurture them to register for a webinar, nurture for soft commit if it's needed, uploading paperwork, wiring money. So we break those pieces down. And that specifically is amazing. So many people rely on the legal pad and post-it notes for capital raises. And I'm like, well, do you know what year it is? What are you doing? You know, and some people can be successful. They have a huge list of investors, but many people struggle. So we help with that. And then finally, we help with uh, just creating automated tasks that remind you to touch base with your investors on a regular basis. Uh, some people will say, hey, I just realized that I haven't talked to Bob or Dave or Sally or whatever in two and a half years and uh, their money's tied up and they haven't done a deal. And I just forgot about them. Can you help? And that happens a lot more than you think. So from a really high level, we put automation in a place um, that everybody is trying to do things manually with now. Uh, it doesn't make mistakes. It doesn't forget people. So it's it's a very scalable thing to help with all of those. That's really cool. That's I mean, I mean, the paperwork and keeping contact, constant contact with everybody is one of the biggest headaches in raising capital. Yeah. Um, yep. I know like Alex and I've had to deal with that on numerous times where it's like, oh, did we reach out to this person? Did did we do this? Did we do that? And it's just having all of that just automated and happening all the time. I can see how that that can save a lot of time, a lot of money and actually keep you in the back of everyone's minds as they kind of uh, decide whether they're going to invest or not. Because I know we've had to go back a couple of times before people are like, OK, actually, this time around, I do want to invest. Yep. Um, so I, well, I can see something that. Else is, something else is worth mentioning we're on our, uh, basically our sixth iteration of our offer. And the reason it's so tailored and so good now, uh, we have a couple lifetime guarantees, which are great, but we listen to capital raisers, right? I've talked to 150 plus this year and I listen. And after 70 conversations, I go, everybody keeps mentioning this one thing. Can we address that with what we're doing? How can we help them? How can we make it better? So again, guys uh, and gals listening, if you pay attention to your market, they will give you the answers for improving your offer, making yourself unique in a crowded industry, whatever the case may be, right? It's not about your ideas. What does your market want? And if you listen, you will hear what they need and what they want. And it's a, just a really powerful lesson. Very interesting. All right. So we've talked about the back end, which is, again, you mentioned like your real core. Um, tell us a little bit about those other two, I guess, particularly traffic, right? That's one that I think a lot of people are also very concerned about. Yeah. Even though you said most people will find ways to yeah. do it, I'm curious in what you've seen as some of the most effective ways to get that traffic onto your website. Yeah, traffic is, uh, so tra traffic is, it's it's something that everybody struggles with. But like for me, I started off organic, right? Blogging. And it took like three years before we heard anything come from the blog. That's a long time. That's a lot of content, you know? Uh, podcasting was something that was uh, was good, and it took a long time for me to see any success. Honestly, getting on somebody else's podcast like this as a guest with a relevant audience, one of the easiest ways to get new people into your funnel, get new contacts, because you don't have to do anything. I show up, you guys produce and do everything and distribute, and I just have a good time. So that's a good thing. But You're welcome. the people who are really crushing it in your industry, 
uh, <laughs> or any industry, they've really mastered their traffic game. So when you have an offer that you know is gold, you know exactly who you're servicing, then you just have to go find more. Um, it's not that hard if you do it backwards. Like for me, where do I get in front of more capital raisers? How can I give them value? So usually the best uh, advice is start organic. Once you get to a certain income level, if you have something, a unique angle with what you're doing that's gold, then you can scale with paid traffic. I see people jump into paid traffic so soon, and there's so many horror stories about people have lost so much money. It's because you're not 100% sure what makes you unique. You're not 100% sure who you're speaking to. So uh, believe it or not, right now, we are all inbound. We don't do any paid ads. Everything is referral, uh, referral-based, repeat business-based, but that's a slow way to build. Now, once it gets going, it's phenomenal, and we're at a point where we're going to start dumping gas. We're going to start using paid traffic to scale an offer that's already really, really good. So, you know, my advice with paid is, uh, you know, just wait until you've got a lot of success first, because otherwise you're going to go too broad and you're not going to like the results more than likely. So, but it's organic strategies for what you guys are doing. LinkedIn's gold. Podcasting's very smart. If you like video, YouTube's really good. And then uh, I would say Facebook's probably right behind YouTube, but uh, the consistent thing I see LinkedIn and podcasting, a lot of people in, in your industry are pretty hot and heavy in those for good reason. Okay, good. Let's do that. And by paid traffic, you're talking about just buying ads. Uh, yeah, buying ads. Yeah, paid, uh, paid exposure on LinkedIn or, you know, social media. Social media ads are still really good. Uh, there's still a lot of value there. Uh, I will say just from an organic standpoint, I feel feel like LinkedIn's algorithms are friendlier than Facebook's these days. Facebook is pretty much pay to play. Uh, if you want exposure, you have to pay for it. But LinkedIn, you can still get some pretty decent exposure with organic posting and stuff, which is really nice. So, yep. Awesome. Uh, well, Jason, uh, I've really enjoyed this. I, I don't know if um, there's another place that we could take it. I, I, I feel like it's been inspirational. It's been informative. Um, do you have any last uh, ways that you'd like to share with our audience how they can contact you or or any kind of message that you'd like to leave with can them? Can I say something about the stock market? Can I share my Oh, you've come there? to the right place. Yeah, please, please go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I just, uh, I just recently, working for myself, I had a uh, Roth IRA and a Roth or a traditional IRA. I just pulled all my money out of the traditional IRA, uh, moved it into a solo 401k and invested into a multifamily deal. Uh, and, you know, I, I look at the traditional stock market like corporate America. It's one and the same, right? This is what we're told to do. Somebody's saying these are your options, pick one, but it doesn't make any sense, right? I can't tell you the amount of people in the corporate world that retired, right? And they're like, everything we have is here. Here's our plan. And then the market crashes and it's like, man, I wonder what happened to that guy. Cause I know the market's down 30%. Is this plan still going to work? Like there's no control. There's no, I don't want to pick target date funds. That's my options. These options suck. So I'm not a fan at all. Um, I've talked to some of my close family and friends about what I've done. And they're like, well, what do you mean you're buying an apartment building? How do you do that? What, what, why would you do what? It, it's interesting, but I promise guys, if you look into it and you actually sit back and, and, evaluate the tax benefits and the ability to, to fill out different um, sponsors and things and see what people are doing. There's a lot of options out there. Uh, I also love the idea of investing in existing businesses. There's a website called flippa.com and I get a daily email about businesses for sale. 
And that's something we'll probably get into next year, but I'm going to do it at some point. I'm going to buy an existing business, plug in my marketing machine and blow it up, right? Maybe it'll be e-com or something different, but um, why wouldn't I? Why would I not do it? Like people all the time will tell me like, oh, I want to, I'm going to go buy a new Corvette and I'm going to pay 50,000 cash. I'm like, that's so dumb. Why would you do that? Are you serious? There's so many different things you could do uh, with that money. So anyway, I've got a little money left in a Roth IRA only because it was more complicated to invest. So it's there for now, but um, yeah, screw the stock. Hell yeah. They're dead to me. <laughs> Jason, thank you. Um, I love it. We'll make sure to put, um, what would you like us to put in, in the in the show notes so people can contact you? I think um, we definitely want people to be able to reach you. Yeah, the easiest uh, way to see what we're doing to get a hold of me is go to intentionallyinspirational.com. That's my website. Uh, once upon a time, I wanted to be a motivational speaker. So you see some of that come out once in a while, but intentionallyinspirational.com. Awesome. Jason, thank you so Very much cool. for your time. This has been awesome. And uh, we'll be in touch soon. Okay, thank you.